this is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, October 17th, 2010. Elijah, God provides. We do need a Savior, and that's why we're here. So, today we're going to continue our study on the prophet Elijah this morning. Our focus is 1 Kings chapter 17, and we'll pick it up at verse 10. Now, last week we saw that the Lord brought a drought to the land of Israel, using the prophet Isaiah to deliver bad news to King Ahab. If you remember, Ahab was the worst of the worst. He was an evil king, and God had Elijah, God's prophet, deliver that bad news that there would be a drought over the land. So once he did that, Elijah went into hiding. Wow. Good idea. Good idea in the Kareth Ravine, where ravens brought him bread and meat, and he drank from the brook. We finished with this part of the story last week. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. And so that's where we begin today. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we do greet you this day, a day that you had in your mind's eye so long ago. It's no accident that any of us are here. We're here by your grace that woos us into a relationship with you. And so, Lord, open our hearts that we might receive this message And learn from Elijah. We pray this in Jesus' name and by the power of God's Holy Spirit and all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So God sends uh, Elijah to Zarephath. Now the town of Zarephath was a, a town on the Phoenician coast of the Mediterranean Sea, north of where he was at the Kareth Ravine. According to the New Interpreter's Bible, a study Bible, Phoenicia was the center of Baal worship, Baal being the god of storm and rain for the people in that area that we talked about last week. Once again, Elijah is God's agent to show Baal worshipers that the God of Israel is the one true and everlasting God. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He, Elijah, called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. At least he was polite here. (laughs) As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So after a long, dry journey of about a hundred miles, Elijah asks the widow at the town gate for a drink. It's interesting that first passage we read said that God 
uh, when he told Elijah, had commanded her to do it. It's interesting because apparently she's not a God follower from what we'll see in a couple minutes, and yet God says he commanded her to do it. Give her a drink and uh, to feed Elijah, to give him a drink and a piece of bread. It's funny, even though it was a drought, she readily gave him the drink. But the piece of bread, now that was a little different story. You know, she had just enough for one last meal for herself and her son, she said, before they were going to die. (laughs) Or so she thought. Or so So, she thought. Isn't it interesting the instruments that God uses to help us? We read in last week and we taught that God used a raven. Now, in Scripture, the raven was described as an unclean animal. But God used the raven to feed Elijah, in fact, twice a day. God used a raven to keep Elijah alive. Mm. And today, God again uses a very unlikely candidate, a widow, to bring survival, to bring salvation to this prophet Elijah. A widow in that culture would typically have barely, barely, barely enough to survive, if that, especially if she had a child to raise. Now, this widow did, uh, apparently wasn't at the bare bones because she did have a house. In fact, a two-story house from what we read. And yet, and yet she is down to her last meal, her last uh, makings of her last bread. Hardly the one that we would think of to to share what she had with a stranger. And in addition to this, she did not worship the God of Israel. She says to Elijah, as surely as the Lord your God lives, it wasn't her God, she wasn't proclaiming God, she worshiped little g-God, who really could bring her nothing, But anyway, this woman very likely was a Baal worshiper. Ironic, isn't it? That God would use her as a means of sustaining God's prophet, whose mission it was to show the fallacy (laughs) of false gods like Baal. See, what we're reminded of here is that the God we worship This God of Israel, this God of all creation, our God, uh, Elijah's God, will not be contained, will not be controlled, will not be confined, will not be condensed by our expectations and especially by our limitations. We're not going to hem God in no matter what we think. God will use resources we never dreamed he would use. And in fact, we probably would have avoided in order for God to bring about God's kingdom. See, God doesn't let our need to be able to predict what God will do. He doesn't let that get in the way of what God must do in order for his will to be done. God will not allow our finite knowledge and wisdom to get in the way of his infinite power of possibilities. Do I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. So the question becomes, how about you? How about you? Are you ready for what God has in store for your life? Are you ready for what God might bring, even though it might be very, very different than what you think? Very, very different than what you're predicting or anticipating. Are you open to how God 
might provide for you even if the way God delivers is very different than what you ever expected or had in mind. Mm. Let's continue with the story. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little jug, uh, oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. And so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. I heard somebody out here say, wow. That is a big wow, isn't it? Wow. Isn't it incredible how this widow would take the last flour and the last oil she had and use it to make bread for Elijah, a man that she didn't know? a man that was a stranger, a man that was from a place far, far away, a man who was held a different spiritual belief than her own. Well, maybe she figured she had nothing to lose, <laughs> that she was already going to die, and so <laughs> she might as well just give it away, and she just, maybe it would just happen quicker. I don't know. <laughs> maybe she was gambling a bit that... This one meal, gambling this one meal against the food that Elijah says she'll get if she does this to survive the drought. Maybe Elijah was just so charismatic. You know, he almost had to be in order to proclaim what God wanted him to proclaim to a place who didn't want to hear what needed to be heard. Maybe he was so charismatic. Maybe he was quite a salesman. Now, I'm married to one of those, so I can just imagine that Elijah really was very good at his job. You better believe it. <laughs> and he made her an offer that she just couldn't refuse. Amen to that. Or maybe, maybe without even realizing it, her heart was ready for God's prevenient grace. You know that grace that comes before we even know what's going on? The grace that God extended this morning to a little baby in baptism. A baby that, he knew he was getting a shower, but he didn't know everything that was going on, but God knew. And God's prevenient grace was active in that moment. This morning, that grace that God uses to woo us. I love that word. It's an old word, but woo us. Draw us into relationship with him. Maybe this widow, some Zarephath, and at the beginning, God, he had told uh, Elijah that he had commanded her to do this. She probably didn't know what was going on even then, but maybe she was just ripe for a little bit of God's provenient grace delivered by this prophet Elijah. I'm sure she wasn't expecting it when she went out to gather sticks that morning at the town gate, but apparently she was ready when it came. And so we ask you this morning, what were you expecting from God when you woke up this morning? 
What were you expecting from God when you woke up this morning? What were you expecting from God when you walked in the doors of this church? What were you expecting from God when you sat down? Because God has a message and God has a plan for each and every one of you right here, right now, today. Are you closed? Is your heart like stone? Or are you open to receive it? It's not us. It's God. It's God speaking into your life, speaking into your heart. Or did you expect to walk in and get same old, same old? It's not same old, same old. It's a matter of our heart. Are you ready for God to do a new thing in your life right now, right here, today? You're ready for God to touch you in some unexpected way that you never would have predicted, like that woman (laughs) that morning gathering sticks. How how about right now at this very moment? Right at this moment. Are you waiting in expectation for God, what God might do to you, for you, through you, in you, by you? (laughs) In response to what you're listening to? Not that what we're you know, what God's going to use with what we're saying. Are you open to what God might do with that in your life? Are you prepared for what God and what, for God and whatever unexpected revelation God's going to bring to you during this message this morning? Are you ready for what God is going to provide? Are you ready? So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. You see, God was true to the promise that he delivered through his prophet Elijah. The jar of flour was not used up, the jug of oil did not run dry. You know, just think about that in our lives. Make make that your man. You know, what if your life, you said, you know, the that the, the flour's not going to be used up, the oil's not going to run dry. But it's interesting, though, she didn't get that blessing until she stepped out in faith. And that's how it always ends. We talk about that a lot here. You've got to take the step, then you get the blessing. got to take the faith step, and then you've got to get the blessing. She thought she was gathering sticks for, to make some, some uh, fire, to cook some bread for the last meal for herself and her child, but she gave that bread away. She put somebody else first. She listened to God's call to share, care, and to even dare through this prophet Elijah. And in so doing, she was blessed beyond anything she would have dreamed of before that point in time. Are you ready to step out with that kind of faith in God and give God the opportunity for really awesome blessings in your life? Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Oh, Lord, my God, you have brought tragedy also upon this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. 
Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry. Can you say that with me? The the Lord Lord heard Elijah's Elijah's cry. cry. And the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. He lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son's alive. Oh, boy. And the woman says to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and the word of the Lord from your mouth is the what? Truth. It's the truth. You know, Elijah's ministry, in many ways, foreshadows that of Jesus. As we read about Elijah, we are given just a taste. We're given an appetizer, a sample of what lies ahead with the Christ. Elijah is one of God's prophets, God's mouthpiece, God's man, Jesus is God's own son. While Elijah prays to God to bring back the widow's son from death to life, Jesus himself brings back the son of the widow from Nain that we read about in Luke chapter 7. And whereas Elijah asks the woman to take a little bit of what she has and make some bread with it for herself and him and for her son. Jesus takes five loaves and two fish offered to him by a little boy and ends up feeding 5,000 as well as women and children. Mm. And so what we learn from both of them is that God provides. God provides. God, the widow saw that when she gave a little shed to Elijah and, and she was then sustained The crowd of thousands saw it when Jesus took the little bit from the boy, all that he had, by the way, and fed the multitude and then had 12 baskets left over. In both cases, Elijah and Jesus, God provides new life after it appeared that the old life was dead and gone. In the case of Jesus, we're all for the ultimate in new life as he died that we might live not just in this body but through eternity that we would be able to live with God through all time. Amen? Amen. And so God provides, not when we hoard what we're given, but when we give it away, when we share what we have. And God blesses us in stepping out in faith. Thing is, though, we have to realize that we have a need. We have to realize that we're not God, that we have a God, that we are sinners saved by God's grace We realize that our one and only true hope is God's one and only Son, Jesus the Christ. Since my father died, I basically spent my life determining how well I did based on me, based on everything I did, everything I accomplished, getting a degree, getting an extra degree, finding a wife, getting a better job. That was all me. I did that myself. No one helped me. That was all about me. It wasn't about uh, uh, 
Um, and I didn't even think about the fact that God had played a role or that anyone else actually played a role. I was on my own, and I was basically the one dictating where I was going and what I was going to get done in life. Once I found Christ, you look back on those things, and those aren't important at all. And they're not even what you consider after you find Christ to be things that are important. Part of me finding Christ was praying, was spending a lot of time in prayer. And what I found in prayer was answers. And because I never prayed before that, I never asked for help. Um, and when I genuinely prayed for God to give me wisdom and guidance to the issues that I was dealing with, whether it was how am I going to handle taking care of my children, um, how do I, um, you know, how do I juggle daycare and, and and still, you know, manage at work and do those things? He provided me answers, and those answers were not always clear, but they were clear enough to send me in the right direction or. You know, he provided me wisdom to either clearly understand what the problem was and how to fix it, or he would give me peace to deal with the situations. I couldn't control the pain in my back. I couldn't control what was going to happen or... I, I didn't have any control over that. I had to give that to God and just say, God, help me. Help heal me. Help give me the answers to how to deal with this. And when I did that, I was healed, you know? And by him doing that, he basically provided me with what I needed to go forward in faith with all the other things in my life. So I was forced into it in some way, or God provided me that, that situation that really solidified my faith in him because he did give me the answers. And when it's cut and dry like that, when it's pain versus no pain, I tell you, it opens your eyes very quickly to where God's strength is and how much he can help you in your life. And with that, with that happening to me very early on in my faith, it allowed me to do the same thing with a lot of other aspects of my life in terms of relationships and my kids and jobs and, and just my perspective on life because I gave it to him. And, you know, I've had a lot of people since I found Christ come to me and say, I, I don't know how you find your faith. Well, you know, it found me, you know, it found me. I, I, God helped me build my faith and it wasn't about me doing anything. It was about me letting him do it. So where is it that you need God to provide? Where is it that you need to step out in faith in order to see God's outrageous blessing? Where is it that you need to see God's grace at work in your life? Maybe it's like the beginning of our story today where, where things were really tight and, and, and you feel like you don't have much to give and maybe it's money, maybe it's time, maybe it's ability, maybe it's something else and maybe God is just saying to you, give me what you've got. And if you give God what you have, no matter how little you think that might be, maybe God's saying, watch me bless what you've given me and watch me bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Or maybe it's like the second part of the story. Maybe there's some illness or loss or even death that 
is close to you and it just doesn't make sense. Perhaps God is saying to you, just give it to me. Just give me the illness. Just give me that situation. I came to receive those burdens to make your life lighter so that you might have joy. Give God the opportunity to somehow turn whatever it is. It could be a tragedy into a blessing. We can't tell you what that's going to look like in advance, but we can tell you that God knows what you're experiencing and God goes before you and holds that situation in the palm of his hand. Or maybe today is the day for you to give yourself to Jesus. You know, to say, here I am, Lord. (laughs) I'm in need of a Savior. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. I need you, Christ, to be my Savior. I need you now. So we ask you to take some time. To take some time to let go of whatever it is in your hand that you're holding on to that you need to let go. What is it that's weighting you down? What is it that is causing you to experience this lack of peace? What is it that you have to hand over to the one who is ready to say, just give it to me? That's why I came. I came because I am the way, the truth, and the life. I came to give you life and give it in abundance. God provides That's the good news. Amen? Let's pray. God, we do um, thank you for today and for this message uh, found in 1 Kings chapter 17. For Elijah and the way, wow, he really was (laughs) quite a courageous guy, but he knew you and he knew that you would, you know, that obedience, Lord. He stepped out in faith and you provided Lord, we thank you that for your grace, your provenient grace, that grace that justifies us and the grace that sanctifies us. Lord, help us live that sanctified life going on in holiness, seeking you more and more each day. How great are you, God? We proclaim your name this day and all days. We pray this in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit and all of Connection Church said, amen. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.